Good morning. I hope everybody's doing well this morning. Thank you for coming to Crestview Baptist Church to worship with us on this wonderful rainy Sunday. I know we might not like the rain, but we needed it. And uh, it's, it's, I tell you what, after you have your meal today, it's a good day to go home and take a nap, right? Yeah. So that'd be a good day to go home and take a nap after, after your meal. So don't forget a few things. If you signed up, um, today we have a North Carolina missions meal today after church. Uh, salad and baked potato and uh, all the fixings there. Uh, after that, uh, the youth and the kids, we're going to go skating at Kylie's. The cost is $10. If you haven't signed up, you can still sign up. All you need, and don't let the $10 ever deter, any cost ever deter kids from coming. Just come let me know. We'll make sure it's worked out. Uh, we're going to be back to the church around 3.30. Uh, Tuesday, the Baptist men and whoever else around here is going to be working. Got some projects around the church going on. Uh, don't forget about our Wednesday night Bible study and our youth and kids services down in the building, our Bible study up here. Uh, Friday... We are feeding the football team at 3.30, and then there's a lock-in and campfire after the football game. Uh, you've been hearing a lot about that. Saturday morning, it's a busy week, Saturday morning is our vendor sale at 8 o'clock. Uh, I believe it's what, 8 to what, Miss Joy? Where's Miss Joy at? Uh, what time is it in? 8 to 1. 8 to 1. So come out, there's going to be all those... Um, Everything that where we sold spots for people to come sell, all that goes to North Carolina Missions as well, right? Okay, so a um, few things further out. Um, the youth and kids Christmas play pra practice begins October the 4th. That's on Wednesday night, so we'll have a practice and then a small meal between practice and when Bible study starts. Uh, our fall festival is coming up October the 28th. Um, if you want to volunteer for a trunk that day or to help out with other things, I'm gonna, we're going to do things a little bit different this year. I want it to be more of an outreach to bring people in. So we're going to do, it's from 4 to 7 that day, and from 4 to 6, we're going to have some bouncy houses and some things like that, some activities to do. And I'm, I'm wanting to even work some activities in for the parents that are there. Um, and then at 6 to 7, we're going to have our trunk or treat. So if you're interested in volunteering for that or donating candy or donating uh, anything in any way, let me know. That's October the 28th. And October the 29th is Youth Sunday. So keep that on your calendar. That's going to be a very fun day here. Uh, you never know what you might learn. So... Uh, I don't think there are any more announcements. I'm going to turn it over to Preacher Artie, and I just let's turn our hearts over to God and worship Him this morning. I do have a couple of announcements. One, um, we are making concerted efforts to reach our community. In doing so, we have some events going on that we need your help with, and both of them are this coming Friday. When we feed the football team, it's not just us making food. We have, we are actually feeding the football team and the band from Crest High School this Friday. When we do that, 
we have the opportunity to talk to these young people. I have the opportunity to speak to the football team and sharing a devotion with them, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not every single one of these young men know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Some of them do, but not all of them. This is what we talk about doing. So we need your help. And I'm going to ask that if you are willing to help serve or prepare part of the meal on Friday, if you meet with me in my office immediately after the service, if you're willing to help support our outreach to the, to the Crest High School and helping cover some of the cost. Just write it on a check or put it in an envelope and just write Crest High School on there and we will know what it's for to help cover the cost. But this is part of our church fulfilling the Great Commission is reaching out to our community. The second thing that's going on Friday that we need your help and I know we're asking big. We're asking big. Chad is having a lock-in for the youth, middle school and high school children, students, right after the football game Friday night. Having been a youth pastor myself, I know how difficult lock-ins are. And I have actually challenged him Unless you have adult help and supervising, you cannot have a lock-in. There have been a few that have said, hey, we can come for a few hours. I know, listen, if we just get 10 people that come and stay maybe an hour throughout the night to help him get coverage for the night I know for a fact that my son has invited three people that do not attend church to come I know that there's been people that are children that have contacted Chad wanting information and wanting to come to the lock-in that do not attend the church I am begging you as the pastor of Crestview Baptist Church that we stand behind this effort to reach these youth and help. If you are willing to just come and spend an hour, and I know I'm asking you to wake up and come and spend three to four or four to five in the morning with a bunch of stinky teenagers. But I want to tell you something. One of those stinky teenagers may be the next Billy Graham. One of those stinky teenagers may be the one that takes Jesus back to the White House. We never know what fruits are going to come from our labor. But God does. All I'm asking you is to help. So if you're willing to volunteer and help Chad with the lock-in Friday night, please see him immediately after the service. I know he's stressing about this, 
and he's on the verge of having to cancel. And we do not want to do that. Please help him. Now, as we go for our time of prayer, I want us to pray for Chad and, and this effort to reach the students of Crest High School. I also want to say it's great to have the Garnets back with us. Daryl and Donna are back from Maine. They, uh, they decided to get right with God and come back to, the, to, to North Carolina. And, they, and from what I understand in their travels, they brought all the rain with them. She said, <laughs> Donna said they ran into thunderstorms and everything all the way home. But I will tell you this. They're from Maine. But in the message, that the text message I got from her, she says, we are heading home on such and such a date. And I'm like, that is awesome. They, are, they, are, they, are, they feel at home here. And I am so excited, but it's great to have them back. Also, continue to pray for Doyne Allison as he's still in the hospital as of this morning. Um, pray for him as the doctors are dealing with, you know, if you don't know, he did develop a blood clot in his lung. And um, they're trying to get his blood thinner all straightened out and everything. Not sure exactly how this is going to delay or hinder surgery that's already scheduled for the bladder cancer. So pray for him. Pray for Linda. Also, this morning, Kel Wright is filling the pulpit up. Popeful Methodist Church this morning. And I just ask that you pray for him as he is breaking God's word. He's in a, a setting that he's not familiar with. He's with people that he's not familiar with, but that God will speak through him this morning as he preaches. Now, as we go to the Lord in prayer, please join me. Our blessed Heavenly Father, it is so good to come in the house of the Lord. Dear Lord, I am so thankful for this church. I am so thankful for what you are doing in my life and the lives of many in this church. Dear Lord, I ask that today, that even though it's rainy and there's not a lot of us here this morning, that and there's a lot of us that are worried about what's going on this afternoon, what's going to be happening next. Dear Lord, I, I ask you that you just take those cares away from us right now. That you allow us just for this short time to fully concentrate on you. Dear Lord, as I said in the, the deacons meeting this morning, you are the God that brings the storms just like now that it's raining outside. You're the one that allows us to experience storms in our lives. Dear Lord, it's always during those storms that you are teaching us even when we don't realize it. But dear Lord, you are the God of the storms. You are the God that can calm those storms with one single word. And dear Lord, behind every storm there comes sunshine dear Lord I pray that you allow each and every one of us as we're dealing with the storms in our life that we will look forward to the sun shining in our lives and dear Lord I ask that you as the sun 
of God Almighty today shine bright today. That your spirit move among your people. That you speak through Sandra and the choir. That you speak through Chad. That you speak through me. Dear Lord, I ask that you have your way with us today. That when we leave this place, we will say that it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Dear Lord, bless us today. Have your will with us today. And may that everything that's done and said be to your honor and glory. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our call to worship 161, crown him with many crowns. We'll sing the first and the second verses. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity for us to give back to you a small portion you have blessed us with. Bless this gift. Bless the giver. For it is your name, Jesus, that we pray. 
Amen. Would you stand again as we continue worshiping through our singing? And we'll sing page kids to come forward this morning never fails love you man you're the first one down here every day so excited I got a question I want to do a little experiment you know what an experiment is and so here's what I want you to do I want you to give so you in you guys are going to be the judge to see how was it a, po a good response did you respond good to what I said or did you respond bad to what I said? Now, I'm going to start so I don't freak everybody out. I'm going to start with the one that's supposed to be good. So, let's say, so, all right, guys. So, we come to church every week. What do we come here for? We come here for God. And why are we coming here to worship God? So we can learn more about Him. And so we can learn, we learn all these great things about how God sent Jesus Christ to come and die on our sins, die for our sins, because we mess up. We make mistakes. And we need God, and we need the sacrifice that Jesus give us, that Jesus did when he died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead. And without Jesus, there's no way to get to heaven. You guys all know that, right? All right. So what do you think? You respond good to that or bad to that? All right. Now, hold on just a minute. Let me get my game face on here. All right, now don't be scared, all right? All right, it's just, again, don't be scared, okay? All right, you bunch of lazy sinners. You got to do better. Jesus, God wants you to do better. Jesus wants you to do better. And you are nothing but a bunch of lazy sinners. And I want you to turn it over to Jesus because you are nothing but lazy sinners. This is a good response. Is that a good response? You going to have a good response to that? 
No. So I bring, to, I bring Jesus to you with love because Jesus came with love. Yes, there's a time where we get to tell people, hey, maybe you're not, you're not making good choice. You're not making, doing something God wants you to do. And we need to look at what God says and we need to fix these problems in our life. But if I come to you in love, because Jesus came in love, you're going you're gonna to listen to me and you're going to respond better. And Jesus didn't come and yell at people and scream at people. He came and he loved people. What if, you guys know the story of Zacchaeus? He come and he says, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm coming to your house today. What if Jesus would have walked up and said, Zacchaeus, you no good sinner, get down here, we got to talk right now. You think Zacchaeus might have had the same response? Probably not. And so I'm sure when Jesus got in Zacchaeus' house, we don't get to see those conversations, but I'm sure there were some hard conversations when we got in there. And Jesus had to say, hey, Zacchaeus, you got to fix some things. you got to fix some things. And I know there were hard conversations. But what I want to encourage you guys to do, and I want to encourage everybody to do, is when we're sharing the gospel, we do it with love. Because I promise you, more people are going to listen to what God, what God did for us through Jesus if you do it with love. And we're going to look through some scriptures. I was just looking, so I changed what I was going to talk about because the Lord was going to talk to me. But so there's, I can look in the back, and in the back of the Bible, I can look at how many times the word love is in the Bible. There's like, list that says love and there's one that says loves so love is a big thing in the Bible because God loved us so much John 3 16 do you guys know it what does it say for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life he sent Jesus because he loves us. And he tells us to go out to die for our sins and be risen from the dead. And he tells us to go out and love others. And that is the best way that we can share the gospel. And we're going to talk, hold on, we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Get, I want you guys to sit in here. You can tell me all about it. Okay? Let's pray real quick. God, thank you so much. Jesus give us on the cross and I'm just so grateful for his death and resurrection and that through love I can be forgiven for my, my sins and we can all be forgiven for all those times we fall short all this I ask in Jesus name Amen. Let's sit over here guys
fell upon the tomb of death where Jesus lay. Evil reigned for two long nights, faith began to fade. Hopelessness and sorrow covered all the land. But soon enough the sun rose and God revealed his plan. One holy morning the stone was rolled away. One holy morning he gave up the grave. It's true that he was buried, the fact remains he died. But one holy morning he came out alive. One holy morning. Thank you, choir. Today we're going to continue in the series on the Apostles' Creed. And today the title of the sermon is He Descended to Hell the Third Day He Rose Again from the Dead. There's two sentences. But before we get started, I want you to notice something in your bulletin. 
There is an extra insert that looks like this. This is actually what's on the slides. These are sermon notes. And I wish I had enough money that says by the time we get done that everybody that has filled this out, they bring it to me, I'll give you $5. But, they're, but I don't. But this is to help you with the sermon and it's going to be exactly like the slides. So as we begin this sermon, I want us to turn to Luke 23. And this is where we're going to jump off at. Luke 23, 42 and 43. And if you stand as I read this, in the honor of the, of the Word of God, this is what Luke records in his Gospel here. Now listen, it says this, is, Jesus is hanging, between, he's hanging on the cross in the middle, and on either side are the two thieves. And one has been just harassing Jesus, making fun of Him as they all three hung there. But the second thief, he, he's like, what are you doing? Don't you realize that you're, you're here because you deserve to be here? But this man's not done anything. And then he turns to Jesus and starts talking to Jesus. And this is what it records here. Luke records, he says, and he was saying, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus, and he said to him, Jesus replies to the thief, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Bless Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word today. Speak through me as I try to explain what this line means in the Apostles' Creed. And as we look at your word to understand exactly what is going on. Bless this time. Speak through me. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as always, we're going to start with the facts. And here's the facts. This line is the most misunderstood and controversial line in the entire Apostles' Creed. Okay, think about what it said. It said that He descended to hell. Period. And then the third day He rose again. That part of the creed, there's no, there's no disagreement about. But that first part, it is literally the most controversial and misunderstood line of the entire creed. And because of the misunderstanding that goes along with this creed, there's been some things that have happened. One of which is that there has been some very unbiblical doctrine that has come about because of this misunderstanding. There are people, and we're going to look at a couple of those later, to, later in the sermon, but there's unbiblical doctrine, unbiblical teachings that are taking place because of this. There is also the tendency that in some places they have just removed that line altogether out of the creed. 
They, 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 they kept the creed, but they just dropped that line. So that he descended to hell is no longer found in the, in the creed that they use in some churches. Other churches have literally just abandoned the creed. They totally rejected the, tree, the creed. That was their answer to the problem with this line is that a total rejection of the creed itself. So they no longer have anything to do with the Apostles' Creed. Those are the three, reject, three reactions to this line because of the misunderstanding. So let's go back to the original languages. Hebrew and Greek. The languages that the Old Testament and the New Testament were written in. And let's look at this. This, this misunderstanding comes from a misinterpretation of these two words. The word Sheol is the Hebrew word. And you can see that, an example of it being used in Psalm 16.10. And it says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow the Holy One to undergo decay. Its Greek counterpart, the Greek translation of this Hebrew word, is the, the Greek word Hades. And you will see that used in Matthew 16, 18. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Both these words mean the abode of the dead. Both of them mean the same thing. The abode of the dead. It is a place where the souls of the departed, those that have died, it is a place that they go to. It is a temporary place. It is temporary. And it is very different than the lake of fire. Hell. The place of eternal Torment. This place that, that Hades and Sheol, it is a temporary place. And it is different. It is not. Our English, we have problems translating some Greek words. Greek and Hebrew words, a lot of times, not only do they have a meaning, but they have a feeling or an attitude behind the word. And we lose that in our English translations. Where we translate it hell. That's not what the original language means. But that's the way it's been translated. And for us, I know from my way of thinking, when, when I think of hell, I think of the lake of fire. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm doesn't die, and it's forever torment. That's what I think of when I hear the word hell. Am I alone in that? But the word that's translated here as hell literally is Hades or Sheol. Very different meaning. And, and how you, you could say, well, Artie, what do you mean it's not the same thing? Listen. 
Go to Revelation chapter 20. We're going to look at five verses, verses 10 through 15. And look what it says, starting in verse 10. It says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne and him who, oh, who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, the death, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. Notice what it said. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So how can Hades and hell, the lake of fire, be the same thing if Hades was thrown into hell? It can't be. And here at the great white throne judgment, it says that Hades gave up its dead. And they were judged according to the, the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. And if their names were not written in that book, if they were not written in the Lamb's book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. A place of eternal torment. The second death is what it's called here in Revelation. Which means that when they died, they didn't immediately go to the lake of fire. They did not go to hell as we understand it because it says that they were in Hades, a temporary place. The other thing that we need to realize is that Sheol or Hades is literally a realm with two divisions. It is a place of judgment and a place of blessing and comfort. <laughs> and these two places are separated by a huge chasm that cannot be crossed in either direction. Someone that is in the place of torment in Hades cannot cross that chasm going into the place of comfort. And those that are in the place of comfort cannot cross to go over to the place of judgment. And you can say, wait a second, preacher. Hang on. Scripture. We're going to look at Scripture. Look at Luke 16, 19-26. And I'm going to tell you something that you may not hear. This is the story of Lazarus and the rich man. A lot of people say that's just a parable. It's just an example. I'm telling you this something. Every parable 
that Jesus taught, He did not use a proper name. In every parable that Jesus taught, He would say things like a certain man or a certain rich man. In this story, Jesus uses a particular name. And I'm telling you, Scripture is real. Okay? Look at Luke 16, 19-26. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day, and a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. This is also called paradise. Abraham's bosom, paradise. The place of blessing and comfort. And the rich man also died and was buried. And Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus, Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able to and that none may cross over from there to us. I'm going to interject something here. Very clearly states that there's two parts and a great chasm. Once you're in the place of torment, according to what Scripture says, you're there. You cannot get out. You don't get to be there for so long and pay penance and then go to the good place. Or go to Abraham's bosom, the place of comfort and peace. You don't get to do that. Likewise, someone that's in the, ple the presence or in the, the place of comfort and peace, they can't look and see the place of torment and see somebody sit over there that they love and decide they want to go there instead. It cannot be done. Make that clear. But it very clearly states that there's two places. So let's look at back at the, the Apostles' Creed. Now remember, the Apostles' Creed was based on the teachings of the Apostles in reaction or in defense of biblical early church teachings against Gnosticism, against unbiblical or ungodly doctrine. Things that were being taught that were being misled. 
So this was a reaction to that. Now look at what it means or what it doesn't mean. When we say that He descended, what did Jesus descend? What does it mean? So here's the thing. Some have developed this doctrinal belief and they teach this that Jesus went to a place of judgment or torment in order that He may fully atone for our sins. That He literally had to go to the place of judgment and that for two days He spent there in, in the place of, of torment to atone for our sins. They believe that. They teach that. Well, first thing is this. Is that doctrine, that teaching is completely unbiblical. There is no biblical foundation for it whatsoever. Because what it is saying is this. Is that Jesus' death on the cross was not enough to atone for our sins. He had to do something else, something more. But I want to tell you this, that Scripture says that when He died, that was enough. It was finished. In fact, the line from the song, it, it was finished. Let's look at Scripture again. John 19, verses 28 through or yeah, 28 through 30. And these are Jesus' last words on the cross. After this, Jesus, what does it say? Knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill Scripture. All the prophecy having to do with this had already been completed. And Jesus, knowing that, while He was hanging on the cross that all things had been accomplished to fulfill Scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, What? Say it. What's that next? Say it loud. It is finished. When Jesus said that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. But when he said, it is finished, what did that mean? Okay, I'm almost done now. I got one more thing I got to go do. I got to go down and spend two days in torment to pay for your sins. Is that what it meant? Okay, does it mean, hey, everything's done. If you believe it's done, it's done. Is that what it means? When he said, it is finished, what did that mean? Exclamation point. No more. It's done. That's what it meant. See, there was no need. Once he died, once he fulfilled everything in Scripture, there was no other need. It wasn't like he went to Walmart and he did the little self-service thing because they, 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 they don't want to do it for you anymore. So you have to do it yourself. You get your receipt. You go out there and that little lady is checking the receipts and she says, oh, wait, you, you missed something. You got to go back and pay more. That's not what it means. It means 
Paid in full. Done. Nothing else. Everything is finished. He did exactly what He needed to do. And our sins at that point was fully atoned for. Nothing more that we could do. Nothing more that He needed to do. It was done. The second, the, 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 the second doctrinal belief that has arisen that this descent does not mean is that this place of torment was emptied and those souls were given a second chance at salvation after they died. Again, this is very unbiblical. This This idea, this thought, did not come about. It was not part of the early church teaching. It came about, and the first instances that we can find of this was written in the Middle Ages. And it was basically written to make people feel good. Saying, hey, your, your, lost, your lost loved ones, the ones that died that didn't know Jesus, they're going to get a second chance. Don't worry about it. Uh-uh. That is found nowhere in Scripture. In fact, you may receive multiple chances. Jesus may come and knock on the, soul, on the, the door of your heart asking you to receive Him several times while you're alive. But once you die, guess what? Your chances of salvation are over. You have no other chances. Again, let's go to Scripture. Hebrews 9.7 says this, And inasmuch as it is appointed to men to die once, and after this comes what? Judgment. There's no second chances. Once you die... If you die believing in Jesus Christ and haven't accepted Him as your personal Savior, guess what? Your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you die and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have not accepted Him and made Him Lord of your life, there's no second chances. Once you die, you're going to torment. Judgment. And for the rest of eternity, you're going to have to suffer through realizing that you rejected the only one that could have kept you from going there. So what does it mean? What does Jesus' descent mean? It means that Jesus experienced death as all humans do. His body was buried and His soul departed to the place of the dead. And in so doing so, so by the virtue of His divine nature, He defeated death and the grave. 
You see, because He was 100% human, He experienced death just like we all will. And in doing so, His soul went to the place of the dead, the abode of the dead. But because He was also 100% God, that place could not hold Him. And He ripped the gates off of that place. And the grave could not hold Him. He defeated the grave. The death could not hold Him. He defeated death. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 25-31. through 31. Now here, Peter in his sermon is quoting Psalms. The psalm that I read before, he's quoting that Psalms from David. I, it said, For David says of him, I saw the Lord away in my presence, for He is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One... Now those words are capitalized in the Bible. King James and, and any other version. They're capitalized. Meaning that they are talking about one person in particular. They are talking about Jesus Christ. Nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Now here Peter goes on and explains what, he's what David was talking about. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on the throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ that he would neither abandon to Hades, that Christ was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. Jesus when He died, according to Scripture, went to Hades. For two days, He stayed there in Hades. What was He doing? Well, the first thing He was doing is that He was fulfilling the promise. He kept the promise He made to the thief on the cross. Remember? First, you will be, or look at 30, Luke 23, 30, or yeah, 42 and 43. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be in me, with me in paradise. Jesus went to the place of comfort and peace. And took the thief on the cross with him. Finally, Jesus went to paradise, Abraham's bosom, to be 
with the Old Testament saints. See, all those that died looking for the Messiah, all those that trusted God and had faith in God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Elisha, Isaiah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All these Old Testament saints. All those that followed God and looked forward to the Messiah. All of them, including all those that died during the life of Jesus that put their trust in Him as the Messiah and called Him Lord and followed Him. All of the John the Baptist. All of those were waiting in Abraham's bosom. So, when Jesus died, and He went, and He got to meet and those people that were waiting for the Messiah to come got to see Him and be with Him in person. There in the place of comfort and peace. Abraham's bosom. Look at what Ephesians 4, 7-9 through says. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when He ascended on high, He led captive a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men. Now this expression in verses 9, now this expression, He ascended, what does it mean except that He also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? What does it mean that He ascended unless He also descended? Is what it's saying. But hold on. Those two lines in the Apostles' Creed that He had descended into hell. The next line, on the third day, He rose again from the dead. So why is it so important that Jesus was in the grave for three days? First off, it proved to the unbelieving Jews that He truly was dead. See, Jewish custom, there was a belief that after someone died, they really weren't D-E-D dead. They were only partly dead. And for two days, the soul or the spirit of the person stayed around the body. And on the third day, if something didn't intervene, on the third day, the part the, the spirit or the soul of the person departed to go to the place of the dead. So Jesus waited three days. On the third day, His soul was supposed to go to the place of the dead. So on the third day when He rose again, that was to prove to the Jews that He truly was dead. And that He came back. There was no mistaking that He was dead. See, the same thing we see <clears throat> in His waiting several days after He found out that Lazarus, His friend, had died. That He tarried, the Bible says. Look at John 11, 39-44. 
Jesus said, Remove the stone, Martha. The sister of the deceased said to him, Lord, the greatest line, in, one of the funniest lines in the whole Bible. This along with when the, uh, those guys were trying to cast out demons by the, in the name of Jesus that Paul preached and the demon-possessed man turned around and beat the stew out of them. It says this. This is what Martha said. Lord, by this time, there will be a stench. What she was saying is, Jesus, He's been in there for three days. He's going to stink, is what he's saying. What she's saying. For He has been dead four days. Four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised His eyes and said, Father, I thank You that You have heard Me I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I, I said it, so they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I can just imagine this. He's sitting, he says, open it up. Move the stone. Martha says, Lord, he's going to stink. He's been dead in there for four days. He's going to really stink. And he says, move it. And then he prays and he even says, I'm praying this so that those that hear me may believe that you sent me. I already know that God hears me. Father, I already know that You hear me. And then when he was done praying, he yelled, Lazarus, get up! And here is this man bound head and foot. I can see him just coming out of the grave hopping. And Jesus says, unwrap him and let him go. There is a book that was written called Lazarus Laughs. All about the fact that Lazarus at this point, at this point, Lazarus knew what to expect. Lazarus had already experienced death. You think he was worried about it again? No. So that book, the whole premise of that book is Lazarus' life after that. Lazarus laughed. We hear stories about people that laugh in the face of death. Nobody laughed in the face of death like Lazarus because Lazarus knew what was coming next. That's what right oh. when Jesus rose on the third day. He did it to prove to all His opponents, all those that heckled Him, all those that, that threw abuse at Him, all those that said, get down off the cross if you can. You said that you would, say, you would rise again. How are you going to do this if you're dead? And all those people were proved wrong. He also did it to fulfill biblical prophecy. Jesus personally claimed that He would be dead and raised on third day. 
Matthew 12, 4, For just as Jonas was, was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea, beast, or sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then Matthew 16, 21, From that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. Then John 2.19, Jesus answered Him, Destroy the temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And then there is proof for the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. First, we have eyewitness accounts of an empty tomb. Matthew 28, 1-6. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. These women saw the angel roll the stone away. They looked in and saw the empty tomb. Eyewitness account. And then Jesus also appeared eight times to His disciples. Now, I'm not just talking about His twelve disciples. At this point, eleven disciples. I'm talking about everyone that followed Jesus were also called His disciples. So he appeared over the course of 40 days, eight times after his resurrection. Now look at here. We're going to have to go fast through these. But Mark 16.9, Now after he has risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Then Matthew 28.9-10, And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet, and worshipped Him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to My brethren to leave leave for Galilee, and there they will see Me. Luke 24, 13-15 And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus Himself approached and began traveling with them. John 20, 19-20 So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when He had said these things, He showed them both His hands and His side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. John 20, 26 and 28. After eight days, his disciples again were inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came to the door having been shut and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger. See my hands. Reach here. Your, your hand into my, put it in my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. John 21.1 After these things, Jesus manifested Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And He manifested Himself in this way. Matthew 28.16-17 But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some were doubtful. Acts 1, 3-5 To these He also presented Himself alive after His suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which He said, You hear of from Me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He appeared to His disciples as proof of His resurrection. And then He also, proof of His resurrection was the life-changing appearance to Saul. Acts 9, 3-6, And He was traveling. It happened that He was approached approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around Him, and He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to Him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. You see, Saul, because of his experience of seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus, he had a life-changing experience because he came face to face with our risen Lord. And not only did he have a life-changing experience, but he had a name-changing experience. He was no longer known as Saul, but as who? Paul. And what did Paul do? Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. Paul was the greatest missionary taking the Gospel across the known world. Paul's life-changing experience led to life-changing experiences for us all. So what does this mean for us today? Following His death, for our sin, Jesus journeyed to Sheol or Hades to the place of comfort and peace, to the place of the dead, to paradise, and ripped its gates off the hinges and took all the Old Testament saints to the Father. Where you're like, wait, he doesn't say that. Just listen. Again, Ephesians 4 7 through 9. But to each one He gave grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when He ascended on high, He led captive a host of captives. And He gave gifts to men. Now this expression, He ascended, what does it mean that, except that He also descended into the lower parts of the earth? 
And then look at John 20, 17-18. This is where He is appearing to Mary Magdalene. And He said to her, Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to Me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to My brethren and say to them, I ascend to My Father and Your Father and My God and Your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and he, that He said these things to her. Listen. When He saw Mary here, He was saying, don't, don't hold on to Me. Don't touch Me because I have yet to ascend to My Father. But then when He appears to the disciples, He allows them to grab hold of His feet. He encourages them to touch Him. They, he encourages Thomas. He says, here, feel. Feel My side. What's the difference? Because when He first saw Mary, that was on the first day of His resurrection. He had just defeated death and the grave. And He had yet to go back to His Father. He had not ascended to His Father. But when He did ascend to His Father, all those that were waiting in the place of comfort in Abraham's bosom, all of those that were waiting there, guess what they finally got to do? They were set free from that place. And He took them with them when He ascended to heaven. So what does that mean to us? It means that now, because the gates have been torn off of Abraham's bosom, that place is empty. And because we, as believers in Jesus Christ, believers in a risen Lord, we no longer have to go to Abraham's bosom. We no longer have to go to the place of comfort and peace. We no longer have to go to this holding. We go directly to God the Father in heaven. Because Jesus rose again. 2 Corinthians 5.8 we, we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. When we are absent from our body as believers in Jesus Christ, we are present with the Lord. And the third thing that it means is this, is that Jesus as our High Priest, He understands completely. Hebrews 4.15 for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things, and we are yet without sin. Sometimes we read that and we think that it's just Jesus understands our weakness and our susceptibility to be sinful because of our sin nature, because of our human nature. But under, honestly, what it means is this. 
is that Jesus understands far more than we realize that He understands. Because He understands what it means to die. He understands completely. He experienced death Himself. And because of that, we no longer have to go and wait to see the Father. To see our Savior. Because of His resurrection on the third day, what it means is that when we close our eyes in death, that we open them looking right at the face of Jesus Christ. Church, that's not me saying it. That's Scripture saying it. So there's a hope in knowing Jesus Christ is our Savior. Accepting Him. And understanding that when, the, that when we say that He ascended or descended, that He did it not to suffer more for us because what He did on the cross was enough. But He descended so that He could lead those captives free. Not to give people a second chance, but to take the ones that had already had faith in Him. Remember, Hebrews says that Moses, his faith was counted as righteousness. His looking forward to the promise of God. We look back to the promise of God that He sent His Son but we also look forward to the part, the promise where He's going to come back again. Church, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're here or you're listening online and you don't know Jesus, don't leave today without knowing Him. Don't leave today without knowing Him. Come forward. I'd be more than happy to introduce you. Others here would be happy to introduce you to Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a church home and, and you don't have one and you, you want to be part of our family here, come forward. We, I'd love to talk to you about it. If you need to just come and pray, the altar's open. You're welcome to come and pray or you can pray where you are. Whatever it is that God is dealing with you today, don't leave this place without taking care of that now. As we sing this song, Don't wait. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 407, Because He Lives. <clears throat>
you very much. Um, don't forget, and we are going to have a short business meeting, then we're going to dismiss to, to go to the to eat, so I'm going to ask Larry to go ahead and move, start moving up this way for our business meeting. I'm going to ask Robbie to come on up and get ready to dismiss us from our service. But don't forget, if, if you are willing to help with preparing food or, or making a donation for the food to feed the football team Friday, and the band Friday, please see me. I'm going to be back here in the back. Uh, also, if you're willing to help and, and willing to serve and, and be help chaperone with Chad for the lock-in, see him. Don't leave this place. But everybody is invited to stay for the, uh, for the meal. All the donations, it's donations only. All of it is going 100% to the North Carolina State Mission Offering. So help us reach our goal for that. And you're welcome to stay and eat, that, eat salad and baked potatoes. So please. And as we dismiss, thank you for being here. Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We just thank you for this service that already brought. Lord, we just thank you for the music that Sandra led. Lord, and we just ask you to be with Larry as we go into this business meeting, that we do your business. Lord, and just be with us this week as we go out <clears throat> and make disciples of others. Lord, just be with us as we go from here today. In your name we pray. Amen.